Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Hey, Jundo. After our last episode, the moon was still missing. Did it come back? Let me check. See, uh, actually, no. But th this is uh, the two weeks later, so it, it's not supposed to be there. But, <laughs> but yes, it, it came back. And that shows, again, my uh, amazing powers as a Buddhist priest were effective. Once again, the world is saved. Thank you for that. No problem. What's new? Well, not uh, so much, except one of the requirements, it turns out, to be a Buddhist, which is our topic today, is that you must believe that everything is constantly changing and everything is new. There was a whole list that I came across by a one. Oh, not another list. Yes, another <laughs> list. No, we love our list. This is by a, a modern Buddhist teacher and film director. He's kind of a, a very uh, fashionable uh, guy and also very deep his teachings. I, I really respect this fellow. Zongsar Jamyang Kensei Rinpoche. Uh, and uh, he wrote a book. What Makes You Not a Buddhist, which I read, and uh, I'm not sure I qualify as a Zen guy. We're going to get into this today. But our question is the most basic of basic Buddhist questions. Our, this is, you know, basic Buddhism. This is the Zen of yeah. Everything podcast. So basic question is, is Zen Buddhism? Then is, what is Buddhism? Was Buddha a Buddhist? These are what the questions we're going to uh, look at today. Okay. Now... I just want to say that this is really interesting synchronicity, because just last night I watched Jongsar Jamyang Kensei Rinpoche's film, The Cup, that I had never seen before. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday the 22nd. The World Cup started a couple of days ago. So this um, streaming service I subscribe to called Mubi, M-U-B-I, I'll put a link in the show notes. They have one new film every day. And yesterday's film was The Cup. And I said, I've never seen this. It looks like fun. And it was quite enjoyable. He's a very good director, but I got to tell you something, and I think he's a very deep teacher, but I did not care for his book about what makes you not a Buddhist, uh, because I thought that uh, it's a, his, his definition is a little narrow, and we're going to get into that today. I think... Uh, okay, but is, is Zen Buddhism, but is Zen even Zen? Well, that's another question. Is Zen even Zen? Sometimes I, 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 I get into uh, this kind of... Uh, uh, discussion on places like uh, Facebook, where, you know, there's always very profound discussions very. going on on uh, places like Twitter and Facebook. And it and it's uh, like, you don't, do you even have to be Buddhist to be Zen? And what is Zen? And was even Dogen, the great Zen Buddhist teacher, was he even uh, a Zen Buddhist? And all, all these questions. And, and we're going to settle them once and for not today. <laughs> yeah, people on Facebook spend too much time counting bodhisattvas on the head of a pin. And we should spend more time sitting and putting all these questions down. But let's get into it, because many times as a Zen guy, I've been accused by, uh, you know, it's always the, the more orthodox than thou fellow. Yeah. You, you're, even Zen Buddhism is not Buddhism, because uh, we're too, uh, how to say, uh, uh, 
we violate a lot of the, the, the key beliefs. And I want to ask today, is that true? Is Zen even Buddhism? Is Zen even what the Buddha taught? Is Buddhism Buddhism? Was Buddha a Buddhist? And and what would he and, and who's going to win the World Cup? We're going to address all of these questions today. And in 25 minutes, we're going to answer them all too. Yeah, except the World Cup one. I have no idea on that. Yeah, because it's not going to. The finals in four weeks, so we don't know. So where do we begin? I don't know. Where do we start? We're not going to go through the history of Buddhism because that would take many episodes, and we've already discussed that a little bit in the past. We've discussed the different flavors of Buddhism, and I'll link to that in the show notes. How about we just say what sets Zen apart? Like, how would you describe Mexican food to someone who's never had Mexican food, right? Because it's spicy and it's got certain ingredients. What is it about Zen that makes Zen Zen? Zen is iconoclastic. I mean, that means that it violates a lot of rules. And it seems Zen masters are, are famous for preaching things that seem to, to violate some basic Buddhist teachings, except they really didn't. Surprisingly, uh, many of the older uh, traditional teachers were very old and traditional in Zen too. <laughs> and they would talk a good game about uh, killing the Buddha or uh, you know burning Buddha statues and this kind of thing. But if you really looked at what they were saying, they were very conservative, uh, traditional people who believed in the teachings as they existed in those times. And they were not great uh, mold breakers. They were great rule followers. And I even say today, if you just think that you sit Zazen meditation and it all comes to you and you don't include some very basic Buddhist teachings, by the way, that we're trying to cover on this podcast, yeah, then your practice is going to be directionless formless, it's probably going to spin off and go right off the edge of a cliff. These basic teachings are necessary to bring our practice to life. And if you neglect the basics, then you're just asking for trouble. But then the question is, what are the basics? Well, even before that, there's an element of Zen that is highlighted in its very name. Yes. Jhana, Zen, meditation. Yes. Exactly. But it's not just like you're meditating and everything naturally comes to you. And meditation itself, the universe itself, is formless clay. Formless clay. And you can use that clay in ways that, uh, for example, ugly ways. You can turn it into a weapon of hate. You could turn it into something of division and greed. And so we say you have to know the precepts and some ethical behavior. You have to understand not just uh, that uh, we drop all thoughts, because that puts you in kind of a nihilistic chaos. You have to understand what the true meaning of emptiness is, which is one of the points that Zongzar Jamyan Kensei Rinpoche makes in his book. He's, he's quite, we're going to get to that in a second. And uh, you have to understand our interpretation of these basic Buddhist teachings. So let, let, let's start off. Let's start off. Where do we start? What did Zongsar Jamyang Kensei Rinpoche, what did he say you need to understand in order to be a Buddhist? And there are four things, according to his book. And I was surprised because there's actually a fifth thing that we must get to. Don't let me forget, okay? But number one. Okay, I haven't read his book, so you've got the list and I don't. 
Can you accept that all things are impermanent and that there is no essential substance or concept that is permanent? This is important to understand as a Buddhist, that all things, composite things, are changed. It is vital that we understand this. But the Buddha also said that we learn that there is something beyond change. Now, we are not what is called eternalists. We don't believe that there's, our, our point is to discover some essence that goes on forever. It's something beyond this, beyond all change, and we learn to flow and become the change. This is true of Zen practice. It's true of, I would say, many corners of, of Buddhism, obviously, of the Tibetan Buddhism, of, of the Rinpoche. We must know as Buddhists and taste in our Zazen that, yes, all composite things are impermanent and have no essential nature. That includes ourselves. Buddhism does not emphasize a solid, unchanging something that we are supposed to discover. But at the same time, we do not get lost in the change. We taste something that is truly timeless, truly cha uh, changeless, beyond change or no change, that is us. And it's liberating. So I, I'm with the Rinpoche on number one. Yes. Okay, so now we got four more to go, but is this going to tell us whether Zen is Buddhism or not? Because what do we get, a point for each one that we agree with out of the five? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. You know, why do, why do people criticize uh, Zen? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm to say for on number one, there's nothing to criticize. We're exactly there. We also teach impermanence, and the point of our practice is to taste something beyond a change or change. No change. Beyond change or no change, there is something changeless like that. Okay, number two. Can you accept that all emotions bring pain and suffering, and that there is no emotion that is purely pleasurable? Well, we've talked about dukkha here, that, that bumpy wheel that uh, is our dissatisfaction. So I would say that, uh, yes, we also believe that uh, clinging and attachment brings suffering. But again, Zen folks, and this is where we, we're a little different than some other Buddhists. Some Buddhists said all emotions are suffering. And we would say, generally, especially in the Japanese uh, flavors, I would say, uncontrolled, harmful emotions, emotions that you're attached to and cling to, are the cause of suffering. But emotions are human. There's nothing wrong with emotions themselves. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. To say that all emotions are suffering, it seems a bit nihilistic, right? Pessimistic. Yes. There are some emotions that are immensely pleasurable. The problem is when we grasp at those emotions and want to maintain them permanently. Right, right. I, as we've often said, be joyous when all the change of life brings smiles and be joyous when it breaks your heart and brings tears. Do not fall into the excesses of either joy or despair. No moderation know uh, how to say, going with the flow again, but yet let emotions happen. So I agree with the Rinpoche on part two of his equation, 2.2 here. There is no emotion that is purely pleasurable. I would say that is true, at least not for on a permanent basis. Uh, there may okay. be more moments of bliss, but not forever. Okay, three. What's the next one? Can you accept that all phenomena are illusory and empty? Yes and no. Yes. Now, this is, this is actually much the same. The self, as we've spoke about, 
is kind of a, a convention that appears for a time of circumstances. You feel that you're really here. I feel I'm really here. I feel that this room I'm in is here. But it's really so much change and so much uh, just different factors coming together that there is no self. But on the other hand, of course there is. Otherwise, why am I wasting my time talking to Kirk, who's just another provisional existence? Yeah, why would we make a podcast if there's no selves to listen to it? Yes, now the podcast is constantly changing. We've, we've actually had several changes in the format of Zen of Everything. We're not the original Zen of Everything that began, which I thought we were uh, had a completely different concept for where this podcast has come. It's always changing. Every episode is changing. Even this episode, I don't know where it's going. But there's... Is there something here? Provisionally, yes. And our task as Buddhists is to use this provisional self well. There's a continuity in the podcast, the same way that there's a continuity in ourselves. The podcast from episode to episode is like you and I when we wake up anew every morning. There's something flowing that's the same and that's different. Yes, yes. And uh, this is because all things are impermanent, all things are changed. We are just this flow. We are ripples on the river. And when those ripples exist, then we exist. And when those ripples fade back into the water, then we vanish too. But we are also the, the, the whole flow. And when we realize ourselves as the flowing water, well, we're kind of liberated. Yeah, that's basically uh, what uh, Buddhism is all about, if you ask me. All right, so that's the first three points. What's next? Uh, according to the Rinpoche, can you accept that enlightenment is beyond concepts, that it is not a perfect blissful heaven, but instead a release from delusion? He's got a lot of packed in there. But I think this is a big misunderstanding, too. People think that when we get beyond all division, beyond all thought, and we, we, we realize some, shall we say, some essence that is beyond all our thinking and likes and dislikes and, and, and thoughts of separate things, then that is the reality. Well, Zen folks said, no, that's not really. That is important to realize, but then we come back to this world of division and we realize it was just the same all along. And then suddenly the pieces of this life, including the, the pieces that uh, break our heart, the uh, me and the you, the ups and downs, all the change, turns out to be the same whole light. So, yes, there's some aspect of this that we realize that is beyond concept. The Tibetans say it, the Zen folks say it. Uh, I think even the Indian uh, original writings attributed to the Buddha emphasize this. He, he realized something that was beyond all the divisions of this world. But yet we realize the divisions of this world are it too. There's something tricky there. It's like a long con where they tell you that there's this enlightenment thing. But if you do finally get there, as you said, it's just the way it was before. It's just that you didn't know how to see it. I'm writing uh, an essay for Tricycle Magazine, uh, and I'm trying to convey this. And it starts like this. Uh, it, it says, uh, just this past week, this is all true. I've had many friends and Sangha members come to me with their broken heart, their divorces, losing a job, their addictions. Uh, we've got our, our friend Washin in Ukraine, who is in Odessa. They were bombed this week. And I feel helpless for all this. So what can I do as a Buddhist priest? And that's what my essay is about. Number one, I said as a friend, I put my shoulder there, and I offer my tears, my shared tears, and a kind word that the sun will come out. You know, that's what you do as a friend. 
And then I say, as a, as a citizen of this world, I hope to work for a world where we don't have all this suffering and, and we don't have war. But as a Buddhist priest, what can I offer? And I said, what we offer is what the Rinpoche is pointing to here, what the Zen folks are pointing to here, what I believe the Buddha was pointing here, which is something beyond all the loss, even beyond our, our hope for gains, beyond the sickness, beyond the death, beyond the bomb. We have something we're pointing to. And that's why I'm here to tell you, yes, Zen is as Buddhist as Buddhism can be, of course. I want to just circle back to this Long Khan idea. One of the first things that got me interested in Zen was the contemporary composer John Cage, who had been influenced by D.T. Suzuki and who made a number of writings and composed his music with this idea in mind. In a work called Indeterminacy, where he would read uh, a number of stories in a random order while music was performed, this is one of the texts that he read. Before studying Zen, men are men and mountains are mountains. While studying Zen, things become confused. After studying Zen, men are men and mountains are mountains. After telling this, Dr. Suzuki was asked, what is the difference between before and after? He said, no difference, only the feet are a little bit off the ground. First of all, I think that's a very 1950s misunderstanding of Zen when it first came to the West. Because that middle part about all confused... Confusing, yeah. That's not right. It's more like you have a world of separate things, some of which we love and some of which we detest, some of which break our hearts and some of which we cling to. Then you realize this other realm that the Rinpoche is talking about, where all the separate things, including the mountains, including the moon, including our broken hearts, vanish in a wholeness, a wholeness. But then we come back to this world of all the broken pieces again, and we realize the wholeness is all the broken pieces. And that, I believe, is what D.T. Suzuki meant, that our feet are on the ground, yet off the ground at once. If I can just add another version of this from Dogen, at least I'm seeing this attributed to Dogen. You'll tell me if this is exactly what he said. Before one studies Zen, mountains are mountains and waters are waters. After a first glimpse into the truth of Zen, mountains are no longer mountains and waters are no longer waters. After enlightenment, mountains are once again mountains and waters once again waters. That's Dogen's long-winded version of what you said before. Thank you very much for attributing it to my hero Dogen, but it's actually an ancient, ancient Buddhist teaching centuries before Dogen, and it is basic uh, Zen 101. Uh, it did not, uh, Dogen may have said it, but he was not the first. And I say it myself too now. So let me ask, uh, uh, is Zen Buddhism, and is it the original teaching of the Buddha? Yes and no. Uh, I think uh, listeners to this podcast long enough know that Mahayana Buddhism, of which Zen is part, was a later expression, very colorful, very flowery, of Buddhism that uh, featured texts that don't have the historical Buddha in them. They were written by inspired religious writers who made these sutras that are supposed to be the teachings of the Buddha that were not probably, well, let's say not probably, in no way were they originally written by the, a historical man hundreds of years before called the Buddha. But are they Buddhism? Yes. Why? Ask me why. Why are these texts Buddhism if they weren't written or spoken by the Buddha? Exactly. Because 
they have the essence of the teachings, which is liberation from all this change, liberation from all this clinging and pain, liberation from what our self desires so, so much that we suffer when we're denied it. Because of that, it is Buddhism as Buddhist as Buddhism can be, absolutely, even if it was written hundreds of years later, and so is Zen, and so is what the Rinpoche is. Okay, I think we've gone through four of the five points. What's the last one? The one that, the, for some reason, I don't remember that the Rinpoche covered in his book, and this is the one that I, at least as a modernist, often get criticized on, which is rebirth. Ah, the old rebirth question again. Do you have to believe in the rebirth in order to be Buddhist? This is the big one. And I have been called a heretic. I, I have had Buddhists come after me and offer to burn me at the stake with the promise that I would be reborn afterwards. So that, that's fine. But uh, uh, is do you have to believe in rebirth in order to be Buddhist? And I'm going to say something that might shock people, because people know I'm skeptical, and they think, oh, Jindo doesn't believe in rebirth. No, I do. It's just, what do you consider to be rebirth? This is... Uh, rebirth could be the fact that we wake up every morning anew, but there's still our essence from the day before. That's exactly right. I said we're the ripples on the river. We're not only our own ripple, we're all the river and all the ripple. And whenever a ripple rises, we rise. And whenever a ripple returns, we return. We are constantly reborn. I've, and I believe our actions, karma, have effects. Yes. Now, if you say, and this is where we get, it gets a little hairy, you must believe exactly that when you die, you go to the bardo. And then when you are in the bardo, you're there for 49 days. And then you come back and you either go to this heaven number heaven number 17, or the, this hell, or as a hungry ghost. We talked about this before. And you must believe that, because the Buddha said it. Hail the Buddha! I'm saying hail Or you shall burn in hell if you do not believe the word of the Buddha. Hallelujah. All right? We got, we got what I call sutra thumpers in Buddhism, too. Okay? <laughs> and I've been accused that if you're a modern Buddhist, and you don't believe in this, you're not a Buddhist at all. And I disagree. We believe in change and that we are reborn and that our actions have effects. But do not take it so narrowly and literally. So I will argue again. Yes, even modern Zen Buddhists like me are as Buddhist as Buddhism can be. I just want to raise one little question. Jungzar Jamyang Kensei Rinpoche, this is really hard to say, um, by the way, He's a Tibetan Buddhist. Yes. Is Tibetan Buddhism even Buddhism? Because it's so different from the original Buddhism. Okay. Can't we just say that they're all different and they're all the same? Number one, people will say to me that the Buddha was not Buddhist, which is technically true because, yeah. you know. The, uh, but Christ wasn't it, Christian. Right, right. But technically he professed something, okay? The, yeah. Tibetans and the Pure Land Buddhists who believe that you have faith in Amida Buddha and he will take you to the Pure Land, and the, the Tibetans who believe in the, this very colorful, esoteric kind of Buddhism, are we all Buddhists? Of course we are. Uh, it's like, it's so many ways to cook a spaghetti, my friend, and they're all good ways, but it's the same pasta, you know? It's it's all good. I mean, there are bad ways to cook, and there are many good ways to cook. Is my Buddhism like the Rinpoche Buddhism? 
No, they they have a a lot of uh, teachings and a color and complexity that don't resonate with me, but they do resonate with some people. Would the Buddha recognize himself if he went into a temple and saw the statue? I I got this scene. I see the Buddha is brought into a modern Buddhist temple and they show him a statue of goals and they goes, "Who's that?" You know, would he would have no idea. You know why? What, what is this? Are they all? Helpful to people to realize these four or five truths that we spoke about today. Yes. My way is Zazen sitting meditation, and uh, it's a good way. Okay. Where do we go from here? Well, the moon is still there, and, that, and that's exactly it. The moon shines in all these different ways. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating, tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.